This is an ABC podcast. Pip and I are feeling really sick because Pip fucked up and she made us get Vietnamese for lunch and we normally never have a lunch break because we're workhorses and we normally <laughs> eat something just in, in the office that we bring in and she was like, let's get Vietnamese. It's going to be really yum. And anyway, we ate it and it was this huge meal with heaps of rice. And now we're so tired. And now we're tired. so tired. And we're just in this like food coma vibe. Yeah, it's really a struggle street right now, but hoping that... In about two minutes, we perk up <laughs> because we got to turn no, this around. But the now. thing is, I feel like we're probably going to just get so much energy just talking about keeping score because you and I feel so passionately about this, and yeah. I think it's because we're both scorekeepers. Yeah, we definitely are scorekeepers, and I think by the end of this, I'm hoping to again turn it around, baby. <laughs> Every I need episode, to stop. I need to basically like throw out my whole personality and start again at this point because. <laughs> Every episode we do, I'm like, ah, oh, that's that's, <laughs> that's, me. that's me. Guilty. And then you have someone be like, and that's why you need to change this. And Literally. you're like, okay, so. Every time I listen to Hook Up, I'm, I'm hurting myself. I've hurt myself. Ow. Ow. My soul. No, no, no. It's good. I Look, we're bettering ourselves and we're learning. Okay, okay. The rice is getting to us. Let's circle back. Firstly, we need to explain to whoever's listening what keeping score is. Yes. Keeping score is where one person in the relationship has this little invisible tally and they can basically measure how well their partner or how badly their partner is contributing to the relationship. So if somebody is not scoring enough points, they might look at them and be like, you're not putting in and I don't like you because of that. Yeah, maybe you'll start putting in less. Yes. And it's something we're going to chat about in this episode. We're going to find out... All the different ways that people are keeping score in relationships, why it happens. Is there a certain type of person that does it more than others? Is it ever justified? Yeah. Is it even bad for you? There could be some discussion around that. And finally, if it is bad for you, how do we stop? So we put this up on our Instagram and asked you if scorekeeping was something that you did in your relationship. And so many of you said Yes. Yeah, it made me feel a little bit better about myself. It was an overwhelming yes. And you told us all the different things that people keep tallies of. Uh, this person here saying my ex kept a tally of how many times I would initiate sex. Oh, no. Yeah, maybe don't write that down or think about that. That would make me feel anxious. Because it's just so much pressure. Yeah, you just hope. Yeah, no, that makes me feel. Ugh. I, don't, yeah. I don't like it. Um, someone here saying my snacks versus his snacks. I get angry when he opens something of mine and I sulk for a while. Okay, <laughs> this I this I understand. Snack like tally. if someone's eating my chocolate that I've saved to the end of the day mm. when I'm watching Netflix and I'm ready to go to sleep and it's gone. Yeah. Also, I would say that I myself um, do a snack tally, but like in a way that I'm like, well, I bought somebody a little treat and when they go to the shops, did they buy me a little treat? Wait, but I... And if they didn't buy me a little treat... Now that I... You've bought me treats. Strike. And I'm like, did I buy you treats back? You buy me so much stuff. Okay. Now I'm worried. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> it's one of your gifts. Uh, gifts. <laughs> I meant uh, gifts is one of your love languages for sure. Um, another thing here, family commitments. Um, a couple of people messaged us about this. This person here saying my ex always complained that I didn't see her family as much as she saw mine, but hers lived three hours away and I still live with my parents. So that's quite unfair, isn't it? Mm. Like to be tallying that. Like I'm like, oh. And not weighing up why. Yeah. 
Uh, and a lot of you keeping score in dates as well, um, especially to do with money. Someone said, if I pay and or organize the date, I wait to see if they return the same effort. Yeah, another big one, as you just said, money. And Emma has been on both sides of this. I grew up in a really poor household where money wasn't something that we really talked about. And when we did, it was usually like really um, strained and heated conversations. So when I started dating my current partner, um, when I became an adult, uh, money was not really something that I was really comfortable talking about or sharing. At the time, I was working a really low income job where I wasn't making a lot of money. And so I found it really hard to, uh, like, split bills with him while we were living out of home and I was studying while working a low-income job. And I found myself sort of, like, keeping track of things, trying to, like, make it equal instead of equitable. Okay, just quickly, if you're wondering what equity is versus equality... Equity is kind of better in my mind than equality because it's taking into account people's differences. It actually kind of creates like much more fairness and balance. And because it's impartial, it allows you to sort of like remove your ego and your selfishness and look at the strengths and abilities in your partner that you lack and Mm. they make up for. So, for example, with Emma, where she's talking about money, right? So at first she's earning not much money and she feels like she's – you know, keeping score of how much people are spending in the relationship and how she couldn't really, like, split the bills 50-50. Yeah, because splitting the bills would be equality. Splitting the bills is equality. But, like... Equity is not splitting the bills because she's not earning as much. Yeah, and finding the ways that she could make up for it, in fact. So let's say she can't contribute that much money to the bills, so she pays, like, 20% and her partner pays 80%. She could be like, well, I will spend way more time taking care of the pets, taking them on walks, cleaning the house, um, going grocery shopping, all those kind of little things that you're like, okay, I can make up for that. So therefore our contribution to this relationship is equal. Mm -hmm. I think that was a good explanation. But then if it's equal, does that mean equality? Yes, but (laughs) you've got to do equity to get there. Okay, Emma, continue. (laughs) And then once I finished my bachelor's degree and I started working in a a relatively well-paying field, the roles really reversed and I had to sort of like retrain my brain because I went from one side of things to a completely polar opposite where like I was now the the high-income earner and making more money than him. And so I found it even harder to keep that frame of mind separate as well with the keeping track of things. Like it's still something that I'm really working through to try and not keep score. Pip, I'm still so in awe of your explanation of equity versus equality. So pro. <laughs> but honestly, we do need actual experts I know, in the room. and we also both need help with keeping score. So here to help us navigate this <laughs> is Sean and his wife, Helen. They're couples therapists as well as clinical psychs at Dremoyne Psychology, and they're also a couple themselves. And they've worked with a lot of couples dealing with scorekeeping. We come across point scoring a fair bit, I would say. Yeah. Um, and things like, yeah, like around sex, who's initiating it, who wants it more than the other one, Um, financial contributions as well as a really big one. Not only how much am I adding into the relationship money-wise, but also how much you might be spending. But I'd have to say that the number one thing people complain and point score about is chores. Okay, this one hurt because, D, I'm a total taskmaster when it comes to chores and I really do think I give my partners a hard time about it. I just, 
it's just unfair. I just don't want to have to do it all myself. And I do sometimes feel like that responsibility can sometimes naturally land on me as a woman. Mm. Maybe there's a gender difference, but I just... Sometimes I go about my day, and this is so bad, but I'm literally like, if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. It doesn't. If I don't do it, it doesn't get done. That's the thing. I feel like I'm exactly the same. The only place that I score keep is with chores and housemates, and it'll always be who's cleaning the house. And I've even tried that thing where you don't do it and you just see if they'll fill in the gaps and they'll, like, take over. So I've I've lived in filth. Just because I was on strike. I was on strike and I lived on. I lived in filth and it didn't change. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's like rats running around. There's no, cockroaches. Literally, I lived in a house where there was such a hectic mice problem. No. And I just thought, I ended up moving out, but I was like on strike and nothing changed. And I was like, this is a them problem and not a me problem. Do you feel like it's because you were living with more males than females? These were two girls. Oh, 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 oh. so you hate women. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like, I've seen it with all genders. It's funny that you say that actually, because that's exactly what um Helen said when we asked her about this. She said that, yeah, historically, there's definitely been a challenge for women to overcome that stereotype. But at the same time, it can happen to anybody. There is that historical load, but it doesn't always work in the gendered way. So we see plenty of times in with couples that, it you know, it could be um, in a hetero relationship, the man that cooks all the time. Yeah. yeah? And, and so he's starting to kind of get resentful in the fact that, that they're kind of always doing it. I think, um, yeah, like it comes back to what do people value and see as important in the relationships as well. So if you have, if, you you know, cleanliness or cooking is really important to you, you're going to have like usually higher standards in that area. So it might be, you might be kind of noticing those contributions more than say other contributions that are a little bit different in, in different areas. And again, that confirmation bias comes as well. It's a really good point there about values because like, we always say about everything just goes back to your childhood <laughs> it I think cleanliness comes from how you've been brought up what you've had mirrored to you in your own family home about how your parents kept the house and but Sean did also want to mention that the mental load very much exists so why do people do it is there a certain type I'm apparently curious. yes is there like you and I why are we doing this? Well, why, if someone listening right now is a scorekeeper, why are we doing this? I'm so sorry. I kept interrupting you, but I'm just going to go. <laughs> I'm like yelling at you. I'm like, why? 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 Um, yeah, no, but Sean reckons that uh, there can be a certain person that falls into this category, um, aka perfectionists. But he did say that. Obviously, that's a massive blanket understanding and way too simplistic, which I agree with because you and I are not perfectionists, no. I don't think, at all. And Hello, yet we have you still heard do this it. podcast? <laughs> It's a mess. It's a, it's a fucking mess. So, yeah, we're definitely not in that category. But he did say something that really um, caught my attention. A personal personality trait that some people have is like having what we call like an unrelenting standard. And when you have a really high standard for yourself, you tend to project it onto the world. Yeah. And then you're forever disappointed. Like, say, you're the type of person that always goes out on a limb for your friends. And you do it time after time and then things swing around and no one's there for you or not to the same extent and it's quite shattering. Babe, wake up. New personality type dropped. 
I'd never heard of this before. Unrelenting. Untru- yeah, unrelenting, unrelenting standard. standard. That's a type of person where you just you are stubborn in your standards. You have, I know friends like that for sure. I think I, I know people like that too. Yeah. yeah. The ideal of what they expect, the behavior they expect from you is very much a very high standard. And then they're like, project, punish, project, punish. <laughs> but kind of like we were talking about before, Pip, with the different cleanliness expectations of maybe how you grew up, Sean says this is one of the main reasons why people keep score. It's because they just haven't clearly spoken about what their values and standards are. Say, for example, you value a clean home and you've got like a 10 out of 10 standard. Um, your partner might have like a 6 out of 10 standard, uh, but no one's really spoken about that and worked out, okay, we're going to live in a 10 out of 10 or a 6 out of 10 or a compromise and that sort of thing. So it just kind of grates and builds up. I've got another hot take. Go for it. My hand is up. Yep. In the air. I think that if you also grew up seeing parents on different teams, because I feel like couples who are on the same team, on the same page, they don't score keep. They're very much like what comes around, goes around, we're in this together. Equitable. Yeah, equitable. But I feel like if you grew up, because we all know, like we've been saying in every episode, how your parents mirrored relationships to you is what you'll probably end up doing in your own relationships. And so if you grew up, seeing parents that were very much on different teams, they didn't work together, maybe you went to one parent for one decision and you didn't go to the other for another decision or they always fought, like that's your blueprint. Yeah, kind of like when it's like, oh, ask your mother or ask your father for certain things because they don't want to be involved and you just know that like either they don't want to be involved or they're just they're going to be like fighting with each other over it. Yeah, big vibe. I have to say I think I was very lucky and I grew up in a family where mum and dad were same team because I don't think I ever had that like can I say dichotomy am I being too smart that binary <laughs> stop stop <laughs> it's the rice the rice has made you the smart the rice has made me so turns smart turns out we actually should be eating that huge meal every <laughs> podcast episode um no that makes yeah but then you're a scorekeeper Hold on, I'm confused. Yeah, what I the hell? So, my my theory makes sense, okay? Your theory does make sense. I'm not a perfectionist. I'm not that. I What am I? Well, hold on. We, we've got more. Helen. Okay, well, what did she say? She said that the reason that people do keep score with each other um, isn't about that sort of surface value stuff about chores or sex or money spent at all. There's actually an underlying issue going on for you. And it's usually around something like not feeling valued in the relationship. So, um, you know, what the meaning underneath it is far more important. And yet we focus up the top on, on the thing that we're kind of counting essentially. But that's really dangerous because we get kind of caught in conflict cycles around the it the supposed issue when really it might be something much deeper about not feeling valued in our relationship not feeling like a priority and not just in those areas of for instance chores but in other areas in the relationship as a um, you know someone that's kind of taken seriously and influencing their partner and so on and so forth but we can you know there's something validating for us to kind of tally away all the things we're doing we can feel a bit righteous then in a way because it's much harder to go underneath and go oh I feel actually really hurt or or devalued here it's like she's reading my diary man (laughs) I hate it (laughs) that 
is so true. It makes so much sense. It, it's that like, makes so much sense. It kind of made me, like, it reverts you back to, I hate to bring up, like, childhood and family stuff again, but it is, like, when you're a kid and you're just craving that attention or validation from somebody, and you're like, look at all the things I did. And then if you don't get it back, you're literally like, it's a defense mechanism. And you then start counting all of the things that you've done. And as she said, you do that circular pattern of relentless bullshit. This actually really makes me think of Kate. I know that there are so many different experiences out there of point scoring. And Kate realized there was a fundamental reason for her keeping score. What started as keeping tabs on who got dinner or... You know, I got us tickets to this gig, so you hit me back another time. When we moved in together, quickly evolved into why am I doing all the manual labour and you are not. And obviously when things get bad, those um, thoughts that you keep bottled up come out in fights and it ultimately just contributed to what we discovered was unfortunately a class difference. I think that it might not be a class thing for everyone, but in my experience, it definitely was. And I think it just ultimately comes down to what your core values are. And if keeping score bothers you or not, it might help or hinder your relationship. Yep. Mm. Just like we said, Helen. Yeah. So those core values there, like if they don't align... But it's also really interesting that she did wrap that up within a class difference. And I definitely think that would come out in people's relationships. This might be a completely different topic on its own, actually, dating Mm. someone who is just vastly different to you in terms of money and privilege. But Yeah. yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. So the question we've been waiting for, is it bad to keep score in your relationship? I mean, so far we've been painting a pretty bad picture because I think it just doesn't come from a good place. It's not like you're patting yourself on the back being like, wow, well done, Pip. You did all those nice things for your partner. Go you. Yeah, it's not like a grateful list. It's a buildup of like resentment Mm. and you just keep adding to a pile of stuff that you're like, fuck you. Look at all the things I'm doing. Look at all the things you're not doing. (laughs) Uh, And what's really interesting about this is you form a confirmation bias. So you start noticing every little bit extra that you're doing and every bit of extra that they're not doing. And then kind of like it's an unconscious thing, but it starts to really load your vision and angle towards everything you're doing and and everything that they're not doing, essentially. Yeah. So, for example, let's use the dishes analogy. Okay. If you're like, my housemate never does the dishes or my partner never does the dishes (laughs) and you suddenly realize it maybe you have one day and you're like you know what yeah I have done the dishes three times this week then you would start to look for times that they haven't done the dishes so you'd wake up the next morning and you'd be like they didn't do the dishes again look at that cup just sitting there they haven't done it but you wouldn't be clocking maybe they put their plate away. It's like putting blinders on. You're only seeing what's exactly in front of you and you're not taking in the bigger picture. Whereas they could have taken out the trash. Exactly. I don't want to anger the astronomical girlies. The astronomy girlies. I don't want to anger the astronomy girlies, uh, but it's like angel numbers. Sorry, babes. You're only seeing 222 because you keep looking for it. No, don't believe You're only seeing 666111. No, they're signs. Sorry. They're signs. They're not. They are. I'll turn your mic off. (laughs) actually can't. I'm on the other side of the desk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in control. (laughs) So yeah, if you're coming at it from like a really negative point of view, it can be pretty unhealthy. And 
Once again, bringing parents into the chat. Mm-hmm. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry, but you can actually become your worst own nightmare with this and become like a parent. If you keep point scoring rather than trying to address it in another way, a real danger is you're going to actually start losing respect for your partner. Um, and then if you're losing respect for them, you know, you're going to start to kind of drift away from, from them. Your narrative about them is mm-hmm. going to start to change. And then on the other end, if you're on the receiving end of that, you're going to start to see your partner like a critical parent. And when you have a critical parent, what do you do? You start to rebel against them. You start to like bitch about them to your friends. You start to not want to be around them. They're like the stick in the mud, the, mm-hmm. you know, the scrooge of the relationship and that sort of thing. So that causes the division as well. I feel like every time I've seen this play out in my friends' relationships where someone has become more of a parent and the dynamic is like parent-child, it never ends well. It always ends up with them breaking up. Mm. Wait, friend breakup? No, like my friends' relationships. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the mum of the group at that point, <laughs> which I was like, wow. Listen to me, yeah. We are having our pre's and then we are making sure we're drinking a bottle of water before we go to bed tonight. No one is vomiting. We're not hungover. We have no. We like that. We friend. have brunch plans. We tomorrow. need that friend. No, we definitely need that friend. We just don't need that in a relationship. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it can end badly. Yeah, and we heard about this from you a lot on our Instagram. Uh, someone here saying we broke up because I did everything ninety percent of the time. Another person saying I think keeping score in my relationship ultimately contributed to my breakup. I had an ex who did this to me all the time. And it wasn't something I'd really experienced before. I noticed I started keeping tabs on her almost as a defense mechanism. It was like, if you're going to be on my case for every little thing, then at least I'll know where we both stand. That's Pete. And his relationship really suffered because of the scorekeeping. And the same with Kate, as we heard before. They're no longer with those partners. And Helen has seen this happen a lot in their practice. I think it's death by a thousand cuts, right? It's resentment that grows and grows and grows. And I think that kind of second, it might start with that first category in the sense of that we explain like the inequity. And if we keep kind of being stuck in that inequity, we're going to move into that deeper meaning, right, of not being valued. And so this kind of grows and grows and kind of like what Sean was just saying, we start to not like our partner very much. There's nothing really appealing about them. We're we're on different teams now. We're not being understood and we're not understanding them as well. So, yeah, it might seem like a really small thing, but these things can really get huge. But you know what? In saying that, there are some people who actually think scorekeeping is important. I think it's easy to say that keeping score can be toxic and not good for your relationship but unfortunately I think it's something that people socialize as women and femmes need to do to ensure their relationships are equitable. Obviously the ideal is for both parties to be contributing equally to the relationship However, I've personally experienced the uncomfortable realization years into a relationship that I couldn't remember the last time my partner had organized a date. I think that especially in heterosexual relationships, um, it can be easy to slip into gender roles um, without even noticing and can result in one person taking on a greater proportion of the mental load, which can be really unfair. And sadly, 
This dynamic benefits the man or the masculine partner and can leave the responsibility of calling out these gender roles to the woman or the feminine partner. And obviously, only a shitty partner would get upset for, you know, this person expressing that there's an imbalance in the relationship. I think it's really sad that for people socialised as women, the work of monitoring the mental load within a relationship can be crucial to make sure you aren't being exploited unfairly by your partner. Yeah, and Helen agrees with this. I think generally having a sense of equity in a relationship is a good thing. So kind of coming back to what we were talking about earlier, like there's a good reason that women don't now hold all responsibility for the home kids and and cooking, right? So we do want to have a sense of what's going on in our relationship, how much are we contributing um, and ensuring that we're both feeling satisfied and playing in our team, essentially. But I think that the point scoring has to be held very, very lightly in that sense. Yeah, so it's more if you want to put a positive twist to it. It's like, are we having on the forefront of your mind, am I contributing to the team? Am I making my life better and my partner's life better? So, you know, when I come home and I know my partner's going to come home after me, I'm going to hit some of these chores today and I know they're going to do it for me tomorrow or the next day. I think that's okay, but that's like the opposite of point scoring because it's like a day-by-day active kind of like care and love, if that makes sense. And it's focusing on your contribution too in a positive way. Like yeah. how can I, Yeah, it's important for agency, right? How can I give to this relationship yeah. rather than focusing on what they're not giving? Yeah. I really love this pit. We got a DM from someone who said, I quietly keep score of orgasms and pride myself in giving my partner more than they give me, which we love. That's a positive spin on it. Like, because you're trying to give to them. Yeah, it's like if you're going to keep score, why not make it a competition about like, no, you get more orgasms. No, you get more orgasms. Yeah. It's all about being like more selfless for the other person. As Sean said, it's then it's not really even point scoring. Okay, so if you're point scoring and it's not coming from a good place, how do you deal with this? Like if you are constantly nagging, you're keeping track of everything in your head, what can we do here? classic classic answer Helen says communicate love it talk to the person first and foremost you know start the conversation around maybe we have different ideas about what's expected or how how we might um, the standard of what's expected and really get to understand what's important to each other in their contributions. Sean also reckons it's a good idea to just write this stuff down so your expectations and values are clear. Have a bit of a think about what's important to you. A good like practical exercise to do is come up with a list of things that you think are really valuable to you within the relationship. So for example, cleanliness at the house, um, time spent with family and friends, finances, planning trips, holidays, whatever it might be. And um, then you get each partner to rate them. So I'll use the chores because that's a classic, right? And so you rate how important it is to you. And say, for example, partner A might be 10 out of 10. Partner B might be 6 out of 10. So now you're kind of getting an understanding. You're like, all right, okay, well, we're playing different games here. Um, and then it's about working out which which kind of game do we play? Do we, does someone step up to a 10? Do they drop down to a 6? Or, you know, more often not with chores. It's about everyone moving and coming to like, okay, let's aim for like an eight out of 10 sort of 
situation, but it has to be where both parties agree to it, not where one feels forced or pushed. And Helen also thinks you should work on putting aside the negatives, kind of like what we've been talking about. Hold your partner in a positive light. Yeah, get rid of the confirmation bias. Thinking about other things you really value in them or other things they contribute, which might be like something we haven't even spoken about, how much affection they might provide in the relationship. Um, And you might just brush it off and think it's not a big deal, but they, you know, they might be contributing quite a lot in that area. So trying to think, you know, my partner's not the enemy. What are they actually doing? And hey, remember what Sean was saying earlier about the unrelenting personality type? Perfectionist, not us. Not us. Um, But, you know, if you fall into that category of unrelenting standards, he had some advice. Even though I know this is my standard and might not be reciprocated, If I choose to do it for myself or the other, that's something that I'm doing according to my own values, but I can't kind of expect it in return. And then the other thing is also when it doesn't come, being aware of that and really just sitting with it, breathing through it. Yeah. Because when you do and you don't react, usually what happens is you wake up the next day and you have a nice contact with the person like, you know, it wasn't so bad. It's better that I didn't bring it up. The amount of times I've been ready to blow up a house. Absolutely nuke somebody. And then had a sleep and woken up the next morning and they've said something nice to me. And then I've just been like, oh my God, no, babes, it's so fine. Like, I don't like it. And then I'm just like, why did I care that they didn't do the dishes? And everything's fine again. And I'm just like a new person. Yeah. And I'm like, God, that was a bit crazy. Like I didn't actually tell them that, what I was thinking. I know. And you know when you were like little and your parents would be like, never go to sleep angry. Sometimes you just got to do it. Sometimes it's probably best to go to sleep angry. Yeah, rather than <laughs> say go what you're World say. War Three on somebody. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, we did it. The rice belly. Oh. We've been fading. I honestly thought like at first I was like, it's making me smarter. I'm better for it. You, there were moments where you were smarter because of the rice, but that's what it does. It peaks and then we just went down again. Yeah, now I need oh. to actually have a lie down, <laughs> but I have to go edit this. Ah. God damn it. No, this was really fun. We learned a lot. Pip's going to stop keeping score. She's not. What about you? Hey. <laughs> I no, I will try. No, yeah. I will try. I will try too. I think it's something I'm much more aware of now and that's the first step to recovery, babe. Exactly. It's step one out of ten. Thank you so much as well for you getting in touch with us. As always, on our Instagram at Triple J The Hookup, you can message us anything that you want us to chat about. Um, make sure you keep an eye out on our stories because that's most of the time where we're going to ask you for your thoughts on things, your hot takes. Yeah, but if you want to go rogue, email us uh, the hookup at abc.net.au. We'll catch you next time. Bye.